Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugarcane. Three Roll is cane to glass. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rashidi, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rashidi. Welcome to Out to Lunch. At some point, most of us encounter a life-altering medical condition, either our own or someone around us. When you come face-to-face -face with Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, HIV, cancer, or any of the serious conditions the human body can fall victim to, it's not uncommon to find yourself asking, why haven't they found a cure for this yet? And to hope that somebody somewhere right now is working on a cure. The questions you probably don't think about are, who exactly are they who haven't found a cure for this? And who exactly is the somebody somewhere who is hopefully unraveling the science of this disease? Well, two of those people are sitting across the table from me right now. Dr. Chen Zong Li, a world-renowned scientist, he's an inventor of breakthrough medical technology in the fields of Alzheimer's, cancer, and infectious diseases. Dr. Li is the holder of 18 medical patents, including for the diagnosis and treatment of Alzheimer's and certain types of cancer. He is a member of the very prestigious body of medical professionals, the National Academy of Inventors. And Dr. Lee is a professor at the Center for Cellular and Molecular Diagnostics at Tulane University. Dr. Lee, welcome out to lunch. Thank you, thanks for the invitation. If you're thinking it's extraordinary that someone of Dr. Lee's stature is working in a lab in downtown New Orleans, eh, wait till you hear what's going on in Thibodeau. Thibodeau is home to a company called BioInfo Experts. BioInfo Experts is a tech company that works on a branch of science called pathogen genomics. They sequence the genomes of infectious diseases. Then they use these computational analytical tools to improve the identification, tracking, and treatment of infections. It's part biology, part computational science, it's part statistical analysis. The CEO of BioInfo Experts is Susanna Lammers. Susanna, welcome down to lunch. Thank you so much, I'm happy to be here. Dr. Lee, I think most of us have an image of a medical researcher as a person who sits in a laboratory looking into a microscope and working laboriously on scientific formulas till they get to a eureka moment. Now, whether or not that Hollywood image is entirely accurate, most of us don't think about what happens after you make a significant scientific discovery. Uh, take one example, your discovery of a new way of detecting and predicting the onset of Alzheimer's disease from the observation of the behavior of something as tiny as a single neuron. It can't be your ultimate goal to have nobody use that technique except you. In fact, I think your ultimate goal uh, is the opposite, to have a diagnostic tool become the industry standard. So once you make a discovery like that, what is the benefit to you and to the scientific world at large of, of getting a patent for it? Yeah, I think it's very interesting questions. Uh, first of all, um, I identify myself not as a medical doctor. I'm an engineer. So mm -hmm. basically, I trained in a biomedical engineer. So what I do is to develop a new technology for medical application 
including diagnosis and cyanotics as well. Okay, so you mentioned the diagnosis of uh, Alzheimer's disease. So that has been the long-term uh, puzzle or, or challenge in the field of the Alzheimer's diagnosis. And uh, so what we did before, uh, we invent a microneedle type of the sensors. The sensor enable us to detect the Alzheimer-related biomarkers in the early stage. Now that's a big advantage in this whole thing. Absolutely, because so far for now, normally the Alzheimer patients, when they have the symptoms, they go to the doctor, they take the imaging, but that will be too late. So in our technology, we can discover or find this biomarker in early stage before the, the medical symptom come up. So which is give us a prediction of the patients who are going to get a, the Alzheimer's disease, then we can take the early stage to treat and also to take care of these patients. Susanna, as I understand it, there are two parts to your company. You're a medical technology company developing testing and analysis software, and you're a medical testing company that employs your software to deliver results. So, so as far as testing is concerned, someone sends you a sample of a virus, I guess on a nasal swab or in a blood or tissue sample, you sequence the mutations of that virus and through that you can figure out various things, like for example where the virus came from. It's remarkable that on the software side you're doing such highly specialized advanced medical science in Thibodeau. On the testing side, the company laboratory is in Florida and your employees are in New Orleans, Seattle and Portsmouth, Virginia. How were you able to manage this company from Thibodeau? And I, I guess I have to ask the obvious question, why are you in Thibodeau? Well, thanks, that's a great question. I've, I, our business has been remote since it started. In fact, that's actually one of the reasons why I started it. I used to work in um, at the University of Florida in a research facility. And this was back in the days when we were just learning how to generate genomic sequence data. Um, so, I mean, there weren't classes in this. I was learning it uh, during the HIV epidemic, and I was the person in the lab who figured out how to get these data into a computer. This was before Windows. You know, I'm dating myself here. Um, so, at that time, you know, people started coming into the lab. When I was learning how to understand this, this kind of uh, analytics, people were always coming in and, and using up all my time all day long, asking me, how, how do you, can you teach me how to do this? You know, how are you handling this? And I thought, well, I could start a business, and then I could work for multiple labs and uh, make a little bit more money and work at home where I could raise my children. And it turned out to be, you know, a career move that I didn't even really realize would take me to where I am now. So when you started, uh, AIDS, uh, AIDS was the thing. It was. This was before there were any therapies. And, uh, ooh, pizza has arrived. Yay. <laughs> so there were no therapies. It was, you know, millions of people dying a year. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it, it just seemed to work out for me. And that's how my business spun out. Uh, so for many years, I worked at home and integrated with the academic environment. Um, and then about around 2012, I incorporated and really started trying to move into this area of how do we get these genomic, pathogen genomic technologies into hospitals, into clinics where they can do something meaningful on the ground in terms of not just fighting uh, viral infections, but uh, antimicrobial resistant infections are a huge global threat right now. Um, so we were funded to start developing these technologies for hospitals in 2016, 
and then the pandemic hit. And now it seems like pretty most people are kind of aware of the power yeah. of pathogen genomics it's, at this point. It's not esoteric what, you, what you're doing no. anymore. That's, uh, <laughs> no, that's, you. Dr. Lee, um, the part that grabbed me was some of the work you've done at using at home uh, versus in a hospital. Like, for instance, the ones we would think of as like the at-home COVID test or uh, pregnancy test. What's the advantage and, um, and where do you think that's going? Yeah, I think um, this field we call we call it called the uh, um, point of care testings. So the idea is uh, rather than you do the, all the clinical tests in the hospital, because now the society getting aging society, the hospital getting more and more crowded, and uh, you will see like especially for the lower resources country, like developing countries, the hospital is really overwhelmed. So they need like to spread this diagnosis function to the to your home to anywhere you want to test like COVID test before we always have to go to the central hospital take the sample and it take another like days to get result so idea in future the diagnosis will be um, you can you can test your like infection disease and test your symptoms at home at anywhere you want and also without special equipment without like an expert to help you to do that. Basically everybody, your grandma or grandpa, can do all the tests at home. So that will be really change the lifestyle in future. Because we know like in the next 20, 30 years, the society going to be because smart city, smart house. So the point of care testing will be one essential part of that. So everybody can do the test at home. They can share the information through their cell phone, through their you know, network through the public media, the everybody, your family doctor, or disease center can tell, they can share the data, can understand what's going on of your personal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you can even visit your doctor at home. Exactly. Right? So and you we really all don't, learned that. Right. You the don't pandemic. need to go to see the doctor. Mm -hmm. You don't don't need to go to the hospital to do all the things. Everything you can do at home. You know, we have the CEO of a hospital here, and I said, we you know, with with everything that's going on in uh, COVID, you're going to have to build. A Bigger, uh, bigger hospital, and he said, "No, just the opposite. You know, right. we're going to go exactly. the uh, the other right. way." And you're both entrepreneurs, which I, I kind of like. The uh, uh, Susanna, the um, <laughs> part I liked was your first company was called Gene Genie. Yeah, and that is from a David Bowie it song. It is from a David Bowie song. I was um, <laughs> I was in our lab and got talking to my coworkers <laughs> about how I could do this at home. I could have my own business. I was 20 something years old and David Bowie was playing. <laughs> and we all went, you could call it Gene Genie. <laughs> so that's what I did. <laughs> See, if people don't think somebody like you would have a great sense of humor. Either <laughs> no. that's a... Oh, absolutely the opposite. Don't you think so? I think scientists are very creative and have a great sense of humor. I think that's, you know, people people think about us the wrong way. Gee, that's a, that's a darn Hollywood image that we're talking about. You know, you, do, you don't, we don't think you are what you are. That's a, that's a good, good way to go. Um, you mentioned, uh, Dr. Lee, biosensors. What are those? Is that what allows you to find out much faster than we did before? Yes. Um, the, the, the term of the biosensor basically, uh, as compared to the traditional lab-based technology, biosensors have several advantages. For example, the rapid response, low cost, uh, easy to use. So as I mentioned, you don't need a, the trained expert to do all the tests. You can 
basically do that at your home. Like now we know the COVID to attach the kit. You buy that from the CVS, you do that at home. So similar concept, similar idea. So now we're focusing on the COVID, but other types of infection disease, even cancer, even Alzheimer, in future you can do everything at home rather than you go to the hospital. So using my iPhone, can I tell if I have Alzheimer's? Well, actually, I bring the samples. Uh, <laughs> or maybe left in my car. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Using the iPhone. Why we use the iPhone? Because iPhone is a, the portable device. They, they can share. No, I was the only data. kidding. This is uh, this is great. It's real. Yeah. It's real. It is. No, yeah, it's, it's absolutely real. true. The iPhone yeah. in future is not only used for phone call or for the you know media or, right. or like a network. It's also going to be for use for medical care as well. So they can always monitor your house condition and combine your local location and uh, the weather conditions. They assemble all the information together, give you the, the full picture of what's going on with you and also your community as well. It's great because it's a real proactive approach. So Absolutely. now what happens is people get sick enough that they feel like they have to go to the doctor or the hospital. Right, right. But in the future, this will all be monitored so you can actually get treatment more effectively early on if something's going exactly. on. Exactly. And plus, the cost will be very low. You don't re really require the fancy facility anymore. So especially good for aging society and also good for lower resources countries like Africa and other different places. That's what I was going to say. More people that are rural or away from medical centers, this would be a big, exactly. big help. Yeah, right. And also, like many people cannot afford this medical insurance, all the things. And uh, in future, we can really take the, you know, the test, one test, maybe a few cents or a few dollars. You can do the test rather than you go to hospital lab, spending like hundreds of thousand dollars for test. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with world-renowned medical science researcher, Dr. Shenzong Li from Tulane University and Infectious Disease Authority, Susanna Lammers from BioInfo Experts. Now, Susanna, your clients, um, I would think, are, are hospitals, right? Is that... Correct. Well, I mean, we get we get funding from the National Science Foundation, um, and I have uh, I work with several academic centers uh, across the country, uh, but we have licensed our software, which is to um, deliver pathogen genomics into hospitals and clinics to um, Louisiana Health Science Center here in New Orleans and the Ochsner Health, the New Orleans Department of Health. Um, it's being used kind of uh, indirectly uh, to report to the Louisiana Department of Health. And so we're really kind of building up this network in the state of Louisiana that's pretty sophisticated for monitoring the pathogens that are around us. And of course, we were very busy during COVID, very yeah. focused on that. Uh, but there are uh, new funding sources that are coming in to really start sequencing everything, a lot of different kinds of important uh, bacteria and fungus that so, are in our communities that we don't really understand that well. So I shouldn't think that with the pandemic waning that people are going to think they just got all this extra equipment laying around the hospital. There's other uses. Absolutely. And that was the big thing that, I mean, and in my field, we always knew that there was going to be a pandemic at some point. We just knew it was coming. It was just a matter of when. But what happened, what translated into the life sciences industry is we've got to build the infrastructure um, so that we have that going all the time. So the next time, you know, we get SARS-23, I hope we don't, or whatever comes next, we're going to be able to respond much faster. We're going to be able to, you know, build up diagnostics in days rather than months. 
Uh, we're going to know when these things are in the United States, when they actually get here, as opposed to many weeks later. Um, so we want to keep the infrastructure going. And there's so much great work to do because we can build up these genomic databases so that we can treat better um, and develop antibiotics if we need it faster to fight different infections. So it's a real dynamic field right now. So you mentioned uh, the company founded by National Science Foundation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised and also happy to know that because I work for National Science Foundation as a program director for three years. Oh, great. And, uh, yeah. I love them. Right. <laughs> you love them, right? Because <laughs> basically, National Science Foundation is predominantly support the basic research. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of happy to know your company also founded by NSF rather than NIH. Right. You know? That's a, really, I'm glad to hear about that. I yeah. think, when it, the, the, so I don't know if you're familiar with Small Business Innovative yeah, Research Funds. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so um, one right. of the great things about NSF is they, mm -hmm. they really will fund almost mm -hmm. any new technology, yeah. Yeah. Um, as long as it's not drug development. Exactly. Um, so, um, and, it, and it has to be commercially viable and you have to have your grant approved. I mean, there's a process there. But um, I, NSF has been really supported of yeah. us for just a while. To, just to give you some background, the National Science Foundation is one of the federal government agencies to support the basic research and education as well. Another major foundation is called NIH, National Health Institute, predominantly support the research for medical science or medical technology development. Are they enemies? No, uh, no, they, they're the partner, always a partner together. <laughs> oh, okay, but it's the way it was approached there in that conversation. Yeah, but uh, there's the one big uh, division in National Science Foundation to support a small business development, like SBR type of grants. So I'm very happy to know, like you're founded by that. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah, and that's the big story here. I, um, what do you think? If you could snap your fingers, uh, both of you, uh, what would you change? What's the, what's the link that could make you go faster? What do you think? Um, well, I think for for me and pathogen genomics, um, like I said, I really want to get this into the clinical settings, into hospitals. Not, I mean, obviously, it's stuff that's going to always be in academia, but being used on the ground. And I think the pivot's going to be for that to really happen is when insurance companies start reimbursing yeah, for the oh. process um, because they understand that having a better understanding of the pathogens that are infecting people in hospitals at the community level, not at the, like a lot of doctors kind of rely on national statistics concerning antimicrobial resistance, but you could have, um, you know, staphylococcus infections in Louisiana that's very different than what's in California or even in Thibodeau, you know? So we need to understand these things at a local level. We'll be able to treat better. Um, and, and diagnose faster. And so when insurance companies start understanding that and it's a reimbursable technique to generate the data, that's when things are really gonna change. And there's a, a great fallout from that too, not only for the, the people who are infected, that will generate more data for the overall surveillance at the national and global level. And more data is what you guys are all about, right? Absolutely. I mean, it makes yeah, I mean, every, <laughs> I it. everything will be the data and the digital in the future. Mm -hmm. So, uh, in my mind, like, uh, I think uh, what we need is a pipeline. The pipeline means like uh, including the technology innovation and also technology transfer mm -hmm. and also the potential users. So that's what we form a, a pipeline starting from the basic research till to the translational research to the trans, uh, technology transfer that end up the productions. 
of course, including the like insurance company and also politicians to make the policy. So they, if the pipeline be formed, everything will be going fast, starting from beginning to the end. But unfortunately, in most university or academia, uh, we don't have this pipeline yet, especially like in New Orleans. So far, what based on what I understand, I only come here about one year. I know like Chilean just going to have a new innovation institute set up, a $25 million investment to set up this pipeline, encourage the faculty to develop the, the translational technology to help the faculty to build up the whole pipeline from the beginning research to end up the productions. Yeah, I think most academic systems are realizing that incorporating the industry exactly. is very, right. very, very important. And I don't know if you know this, but the state of Louisiana is doing very well in this. So small business innovative research grants have quadrupled over the last couple years. Um, I think right now there's about 31 of these grants in life science companies or, or technology companies in the state, whereas in our neighboring states in Mississippi and um, Alabama, they have three or four going. So, so Louisiana's doing really well in life sciences. Uh, the state of Louisiana supports small business innovative research through really good tax incentives and credits. So like if I get an SBIR grant funded, let's just say it's $100,000, the state of Louisiana will give me a tax credit for $30,000. Oh, really? oh, yeah, yeah, and it, there's only, I think, three states in the United States that do this. Um, so all my friends who have businesses in California are very jealous of yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't know <laughs> it's that. Really, yeah. It's really a great thing. It's in, you know, because you know grant money. Yeah, absolutely. It really just pays for yeah. your research. Right. It doesn't pay for anything else. Much, and if you're right. a small business, mm -hmm. you need legal advice. Right. You need advertisements. You need, I mean, cost, all yeah. kinds of things. So that's what the state, how the state is supporting us. So it's pretty exciting. Well, you both have something. Uh, uh, at Tulane, you've got this new... Innovation institution. Right. Will that help you? Well, it's just a start from this year, yeah. and uh, I have not been engaged to that yet. But I'm envisioning in future, like year two years, we're going to engage much with that institution. Well, based on my knowledge, it seems like uh, the institution is going to provide uh, the seed money to help the students and also the faculty to start their uh, small business and. Uh, and also, the predominantly focus on the medical research. Yeah, so. the, uh, and Susanna, you've got, I didn't know this, uh, the business incubator is about to get started at Nichols. Yes, it's the Bayou Region Incubator, the BRI, in Thibodeau, Louisiana, and we have the facility now, and I believe it's going to be um, all functional around October. It's super cool. It's this awesome Art Deco building in the middle of historic downtown Thibodeau oh, really? and has going to have lots of office space and we've got I'm on the board um, and uh, we're going to have lots of support for small businesses whether it's administrative or educational or legal advice for any clients that want to come into the incubator so it's pretty exciting and how long have you worked for the Thibodeau Chamber of Commerce <laughs> you're doing a good job of it they uh Dr. Lee, in addition to finding um, finding these these diseases, it seems like you have a way of kind of tracking if the treatment's doing well. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. Because uh, as I mentioned, I'm an engineer. So whatever, when we work with the clinical doctors, we always ask the question, what's the technology challenge you're facing? 
like many people tell us, oh, the diagnosis to monitor the disease progress, but some doctors, of course, saying, oh, we need the technology to help us easy to treat the disease with minimized the side effect. Because now the people do the surgery or do the chemotherapy, there are many, obviously there are many side effects. So in any way, we can treat the disease with the minimum the side effect. So this is coming up to some idea for us because my field is called bioelectronics. So Einstein said everything, everything is a vibration, which is, means everything is energy. So what we want to do, we want to build up the communication between your body organ or between the cells to the external energy, which is energy include light energy, electrical energy, magnetic energy. So we can use it or leverage this energy to build up the communication with your organ, with your cells. Therefore, to control the behavior of your cells or your organs. For example, in a certain energy level, we can actually surprise the cancer development because we can talk with the cancer cells using a certain wave of the energy to surprise the cancer development. So if we build up this, uh, this uh, communication, ideally we can build up the uh, treatment tool to kill the cancer with very minimum uh, side effect. When I started working here, I'm trying to find a high quality, high educated the, the scientist who worked for me. It's kind of difficult here. It's not like in Florida or in DC. You can easily find many high educated people highly trained people to work for you. But here, it seems like, a, I don't know what's the reason, it seems like the people get educated, they move out. Yeah. We're losing the high-tech people. Yeah. Well, that's, that's one of the main point. reasons for the business incubator developments. It's and you know, the that. big reason yeah. in Thibodeau is that it, it, people graduate from Nickel State University, they get graduate degrees from right. Nickel State University, right. and then there's no jobs, so they leave. Uh -huh. um, but you leave the incubator there, and uh -huh. then you have a place for businesses, for people to go, oh, I've got a great idea, and so I want to innovate. And now I've got really good, I mean, the, the rent's going to be very affordable for a brand new business uh -huh. and all the support. And I think lots of colleges are realizing that. It's a real change maker. Suzanne, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, where did COVID come from originally? How did we get it here? Oh, is it, is it, are you asking me about the lab versus... Or the, like, just, gener <laughs> just generally, where, where did it... Oh, where oh, did, no. <laughs> that's, a, that's a small and a big question. <laughs> yeah, I there's know, a, it really they, is. They come from a certain part of the country, have they figured that out, or...? Oh, I think it came from China, yeah. Well, but, uh, and when it got here, where did it spread from? Oh, that's a great question. You know, I think it entered in several different areas, uh, for sure. I mean, they know that now. And and the way it evolved in this area um, was during the Mardi Gras ah. in February 2020. So that part's true. That part is really true. Um, we did publish that in Cell. Um, so, and it's very interesting, but it kind of looked like some people came from New York, some people came from Texas during Mardi Gras, and we had a big super spreader event at that time. Hmm. And Dr. Lee, I'm just asking questions that yeah. I'm personally thinking of right now is, you have these patents, um, two things, do you own them? Or does the universities own them? Or the National Science Foundation? Who, who owns these patents? Oh, we don't own the patent. So the patent innovation based on the work. If it will work for university, 
and under the support by the grants from National Science Foundation or NIH, um, the discovery will belong to the university. So government, they don't own your patent. So even they support the dollar to you to do the research, but they don't own the patent. The patent owned by the by the university, like a you know innovation department, whatever yeah, it's called. So basically, the owner of the of the patents is a, is a, your university where you work for. And once you come up with something great and it's patented, where does it go next? Well, the step will be like as I mentioned, the pipeline. So once you have the patent, and uh, you're looking for the potential like a business person for interesting your patent, then you can license your patent to the business company, or you can based on your patent to set up your own business. So in my case, I had a three business company in China, in Canada, and also in the United States, and uh, licensed different patents from my own innovations. So once you have your own patent, your own business, then you can start to recruit more investment from different venture capitals, and also, you know, you can eventually you can sell your business or sell your production to the to the any people interested in the technology. Susanna, what about this part I'm always thinking of is like hospitals and staph infections and things like that. Are you once again trying to figure out where they started? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a few use cases for the kind of work that we do. And one is in infection control. So this is um, these people kind of work behind the scenes in the hospital, and they're very nervous people. They're always trying to figure out, you know, do we have an outbreak in the ICU or in the neonatal unit? You know, do we need to put out a fire because something's being spread in there? So when you do the genomic sequencing of these pathogens, you can answer those questions very objectively. And in fact, we've done this in several studies where hospitals think that they have an outbreak, and we look at the genomic sequences of those infections, and in fact, they didn't. So it's an approach to actually improve where you're going to put your resources in a hospital on any given day and save money. Anyone who lives in New Orleans can tell you the city we live in is vastly different from the impression you get of the place, you know, from the outside. Sure, New Orleanians enjoy Mardi Gras and music festivals, and we might even occasionally wander around the French Quarter with a cocktail, but beneath the fun exterior, there's a city of business, industry, and science that's equal to just about any place you could name. Chen Zong and Susanna, I've been hosting this show for over a decade, and if I had $20 for every time I thought, wow, I can't believe this person lives here, I don't know how much I'd have exactly, but it, it certainly would be up to $40 today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you for everything you've done and are continuing to do, and for the betterment of human health. And thank you so much for taking the time to join me today and out to lunch. Thank you thank so you. much. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Yeah, I really enjoyed the talk. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Dr. Chen Zong Li. He's the professor at the Center for Cellular and Molecular Diagnostics at Tulane University, and Susanna Lammers, the CEO of BioInfo Experts. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Chen Zong's and Susanna's extraordinary achievements by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, 
You can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at LaFleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones-Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Three Roll Estate Craft Rum Distillery, crafting premium rum from their own Louisiana sugar cane. Three Roll is cane to glass. And by... Basics Swimming Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. And by the It's New Orleans Happy Hour Podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 